Welcome to Chuck E. Cheese. May I take your order? That's right, in today's episode we will be discussing the 1993 Chuck E. Cheese shooting, also known as the 1993 Aurora, Colorado shooting. But before the case begins, I want to tell you a little fact. Did you know that the hit horror game Five Nights at Freddy's is rumoured to be based off Chuck E. Cheese, with both the game and the family entertainment chain having many similarities? from their animatronics to their overall vibes. The very first location opened on May 17, 1977 in San Jose, California. According to the Chuck E. Cheese website, quote, the 5,000 square foot location was the first restaurant of its kind for kids and families that offered pizza, animatronic entertainment and an indoor arcade, end quote. Coming straight from their website, Chuck E. Cheese was founded in the late 70s as a, quote, Groundbreaking and innovative concept bringing pizza, games and entertainment all under one roof. The chain was founded by Nolan Bushnell, naming the restaurant Chuck E. Cheese Pizza Time Theatre. The single joint eventually evolving into its own chain and the name being shortened to the one we know it as today. Nathan Gerard Dunlap was born April 8, 1974, which meant he fell under the astrological sign Aries. People who fall under this sign are active but no weakness is bad temperament, which after researching this case, I think Dunlap had. Dunlap was raised by his mother and his stepfather, who married when Dunlap was a few months old. He didn't have the most stable childhood, moving from place to place. Start from Chicago and moving to Illinois, Memphis, Tennessee and Michigan before landing in Colorado in 1984. His mother struggled with her mental health, later being diagnosed with schizophrenia and bipolar disorder. During his time in junior high, Dunlap would try to end his life twice. His stepfather asked for psychologists at Overland High School to evaluate him. The evaluation revealing signs of hypomania, but no formal diagnosis was applied. Hypomania is a condition where you have a period of elevated and extreme changes in your mood or emotions. The more energised level of energy must be different to your normal self and noticeable by other people. Hypomania can be a form of bipolar disorder, but could also be a symptom of other mental health conditions. In May 1993, 19-year-old Nathan Dunlap was hired and began working at Chuck E. Cheese's oral location. But two months later, he would have a disagreement with his supervisor over whether he, being Dunlap, could work additional hours after his scheduled shift. The argument would get heated and Dunlap would be fired, which made Dunlap angry. Him fully believing his supervisor made a fool out of him and he wanted revenge. Later that summer, Dunlap was talking to a former Chuck E. Cheese co-worker and said he, being Dunlap, was going to do something to get even. Going into more details with his close friends. The event being a robbery ending with the murder of his supervisor. Skipping to the December of that year, specifically December 14th, Dunlap was chilling and playing basketball with his friends, informing them that his mind was made up and he was going to finally act out his plans for his previous place of employment. His plan? Kill them and take the money, for them being the other employees. Shortly before 9pm, Dunlap entered the restaurant posing as a customer, ordering a ham and cheese sandwich. He would then take full advantage of the arcade and played a couple of the games. He even spoke to a Chuck E. Cheese employee, whose shift ended while he was waiting and called his girlfriend. 
After a while, Dunlop decided to hide in the restaurant's customer bathroom, waiting for the location to close. Something I do not understand is how he was not found. Before they were closed, would they not check to see if there was any customers hiding out? But anyway. The Chuck E. Cheese finally closed. It was time. Dunlap exited the bathroom holding his twenty-five calibre semi-automatic pistol, which he had hidden and walked up behind Sylvia Crowell and shot her a single time behind her right ear. Sylvia was only nineteen. Seventeen-year-old Ben Grant, who was vacuuming, was next. Dunlap shooting at him near his left eye. Dunlap then made his way over to 17-year-old Colleen O'Connor, who sank to her knees and pleaded for her life. Colleen telling Dunlap if he let her go, she would not tell a soul what he did. But Dunlap did not listen, shooting her through the top of her scalp. Dunlap's next victim was 20-year-old Bobby Stevens, who after returning from a smoke break, thinking the sounds of the gunshots were children popping balloons, which was and is still common in establishments such as Chuck E. Cheese. Like normal, after his break, Bobby went back to work, Dunlap forcing his way through the kitchen door, raising and firing his gun, the bullet striking him in the jaw. Bobby, of course, fell to the floor, but saved himself by playing dead. The next part of Dunlap's plan was to force the store manager to unlock the safe, which he did, the store manager being 15-year-old Marge Kohlberg, shooting her in the air after she opened the safe. He noticed the woman was still moving and shot a second time through her other ear. The manager, who Dunlap had the dispute with and fired him, was not there at the restaurant when this case took place, essentially saving his life. Dunlap fled the scene with $1,500 slash £1,184 worth of cash and game tokens. After the massacre, Stephen left the scene through a back door, walking to a nearby apartment complex, knocking on one of the many doors, telling the person who answered that both him and others had been shot off the restaurant. Bobby was hospitalised in Denver General Hospital and was in fair condition. As the authorities arrived on scene, they found the bodies starting with two in the hallway, a third in a room nearby and the fourth in the manager's office. Like Bobby, Sylvia was sent to Denver General Hospital, where she was declared dead on scene. Dunlap would be arrested at his mother's flat 12 hours later. In court, Dunlap would be found guilty of four counts of first-degree murder, attempted murder, robbery and burglary in 1996. In the May of that same year, he was sentenced to death and given an additional 108 years. In 2008, Nathan Dunlap filed a habeas corpus petition. For those of you who, like myself, did not know what habeas corpus was, I am about to explain. Habeas corpus, being derived from medieval Latin, is a resource in law in which a person who has been sentenced can report an unlawful detention and or imprisonment, which means that the case would have to be revisited in court, whether that be an investigation into his attorney or resentencing. Dunlap argued that his attorney was ineffective and did not do his job correctly as he, the attorney, did not present a defence on Dunlap's mental health issues and the abuse he sustained as a child. But two years later, his appeal was rejected. Senior U.S. District Judge John L. Kane wrote, quote, Dunlap was fairly tried, competently represented and justifiably sentenced to death, end quote. On the 1st of May 2013, Judge William Sylvester announced the execution date for Dunlap would be mid-August of that same year. 
However, 21 days later, so for 22nd, Dunlap's execution was put on hold. Colorado Governor John Hinkenlooper decided against executing Dunlap or granting him clemency, and instead signed a temporary reprieve in 2013. The reprieve meant that as long as he was in office, Dunlap would not be executed. According to Hinkenlooper, one of the reasons that he did not choose full clemency was because Dunlap would have to remain separated from the rest of the prison population. Groups including the NAACP, a.k.a. National Association for the Advancement of Coloured People, contacted Hinkenlooper, requesting for Dunlap's life to be spared, arguing that the death penalty is disproportionately imposed on African Americans and Hispanics. The reprieve also meant that unless a governor issued a new executive order, the status of the execution and clemency request would remain on hold. On the 6th of November 2018, Yard Police became the new governor. During his campaign, Police said he intended to sign a bill reappealing the death penalty in Colorado. Regarding this episode's case, Police said he had no problem following the current law and that he did not think it was appropriate to comment on a specific case during a campaign before actually becoming governor and researching the case to make an informed decision. On March 23, 2020, Polly signed a bill reappealing for death penalty. Polly's also changed their sentences for three men on death row, including Dunlap, to life without parole. Dunlap remains incarcerated at the Colorado State Penitentiary in Cannon City to this very day. Which leaves us with the question, does someone who commits a crime such as the one discussed in this episode deserve to be put to death or should they live the rest of their life in prison? Thank you for listening to the third episode of the second season of 18 Year Old's Guide to True Crime. Do not take this episode as fact. For all the information I have included, I got off the internet. I hope you enjoyed my take on the Chuck E. Cheese Massacre and I will catch you in the next episode.